We are ready to begin. If you'd like to come in and find a seat. Welcome back in. Come on back in from coffee break. Bring your coffee along. All right, many of you know that we've been in this sermon series for quite some time called Living a Transformed Life. Uh, we've been focusing on all that Jesus did for us on the cross, all that we uh, received from him. And, you know, many times I think uh, as a Christian, we look at just a small part of what Jesus did for us on the cross. I think we see that, that we're forgiven. I think we see that we're going to heaven. But but I don't think that we, uh, you know, acknowledge everything else that we receive from, from, from God when, when we look at what Jesus did for us on the cross. Part of that transformed life is living a life of freedom. And, and freedom, I think, is one of the key words for today. Freedom from power, uh, from the power of sin, freedom from guilt, freedom from shame. Uh, several weeks ago, we talked about freedom from having to live under the Old Testament law and the rituals and religion, and freedom from having to work to please God. You know, and I love the freedom that, that Jesus gives us. You know, we often call our Sunday morning services celebrations, and, and why do we call it a celebration? Because we come together to celebrate all that Jesus did for us. We, we come together and celebrate, and because of that, we can, we can actually shout and dance in our worship service. We can, we can thank God. We can praise God for all he's done. We celebrate by, by encouraging each other and praying for each other. We celebrate by giving testimonies about uh, God's goodness. You know, you want to go somewhere else to get depressed and discouraged, but when you come here, we want you to, to leave from here encouraged and full of joy, full of God's Holy Spirit, full of courage to go out and, and uh, uh, be God's representatives in, in the world next week. So, so God's word, you know, we talk about freedom. God's word also gives us practical principles to live by. And, and, and some of those are principles about relationships, principles about business and finances. And we're actually going to talk about uh, what I'm calling money.freedom today or financial freedom. Because I believe that that lots of believers find spiritual freedom in Jesus. Their sins are forgiven. But, for the first, and, and, uh, but unfortunately, they are not free financially. And, and I believe that, that uh, uh, you, can be, you can be set free spiritually, but still be in chains financially. And so we want to talk this morning about being set free financially, financial chains, debts, credit card 
misuse is often the cause of, of pain and stress in our lives, broken relationships. And so living by God's principles in our lives all the way through, including our money, including our credit cards, including our finances and bank accounts, living by God's principles brings us freedom in our finances, your checkbook, your, your cash, your credit cards, your monthly bills, your annual bills, and even the business you operate or the business you run or the partnership you're in or the executive position you're in, uh, this is all uh, impacted by God's principles that he brings to us. So we're focusing this morning on money.freedom or financial freedom in your life. And I've got some uh, basic principles from God's word. Uh, these are really elementary. They're really basic. They, they apply to you whether you're you know, 8 or 10 years old, 12 years old, 40 years old, 80 years old, uh, we, can, we can all apply them to our lives. And, and the, the first financial principle is freedom from debt. Proverbs 22 and verse 7 says, and, and if you read the book of Proverbs, you're, you just get filled up with wisdom about money and about finances, about how to handle your money, things to do and things not to do. And Proverbs 22, verse 7 says, The rich rules over the poor. The borrower is the slave of the lender. So the, the general Bible principle of this is you're not free if you're one who goes out and borrows all the time. You're, you're becoming a slave. And Romans 13 and verse 8 says, Owe no one anything except to live to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So God wants you to be free. God doesn't want you to go and, and make yourself a slave again after Jesus died and, and has made you free. He doesn't want you to go and make yourself a slave again. Now, the Bible doesn't say it's a sin to, to borrow money. Or, and the Bible doesn't say it's a sin to, to uh, make loans to others. People say, well, doesn't the Bible say neither a borrower nor a lender be? Well, no, that's not in the Bible. Uh, the Bible does say that God, the uh, Bible doesn't say, you know, that God's going to bail you out of your debts instantly the moment you become a Christian. Um, God doesn't always remove the consequences of our unwise actions. People like to quote Philippians 4.19, My God shall supply all your needs. And yes, God does supply our needs, but still... Uh, there is some responsibility on us to be able to take steps to work through the unwise uh, decisions or consequent uh, unwise decisions we may have made. So God wants us to be free in every aspect of the word, including free financially, freedom from debt in your life. So let's talk about more about this uh, idea of debt. And, and this is really just basic elementary stuff. So number two, uh, as a matter of honesty and integrity before God, Christians should pay their obligations and pay down their debts. So if you have a debt, you ought to pay it off, okay? It's just really, really simple. If you owe someone something, you promise to pay them back, then you ought to be a person of your word and and do what you've said you're going to do. When you take out a car loan, you sign a, a document, and you promise to what? Pay it back, right? 
When you, take, when you pay by credit card, you probably haven't often stopped to read all that fine print at the bottom or the fine print that you, uh, that you uh, was at the bottom of the contract when you took out the card. But when you pay by credit card, you promise to repay that money. It's like a loan. When you take out a student loan, you promise to repay. When you take out a mortgage on your property, you sign lots of documents and you promise to repay, don't you? When you take out a home equity line of credit, you promise to repay all these different things. Even when you use electricity or, or uh, public water or have a cell phone service, you sign contracts with all those things in which you promise to pay for the service that you're using. So just a it's really basic principle that we need to be people of our word. And if you say you're going to pay it back, then you Pay it back. Pay your bills. Psalm 37, 21. This is really, really simple. The wicked borrows but does not pay back, okay? But the righteous is generous and gives. So what does that mean? Uh, so, you know, the person who borrows and doesn't pay back is called wicked by God. But the righteous person has enough money and has enough resources not only to be able to pay his or her bills, but also to be uh, generous and to give to other people. So there's, uh, there's this huge contrast between uh, the, uh, the wicked on one side and the righteous on the other. So uh, choose which side you're going to be on this morning. Because of this, you know, we should think very carefully before borrowing and signing, borrowing money, signing agreements, signing contracts, one careless decision about you know, using a credit card, I really need that thing, you know, or taking out a car loan, taking out a student loan, can give you financial headaches and pain for years to come, that one, that one un, unwise action. And in the Bible, Romans 13, 8, the Apostle Paul says, owe no one anything. In other words, have as few debts as possible. I mean, it's almost impossible now to buy a house without having a mortgage but at least if you stop paying your mortgage they'll they'll just you know come and take your house but uh, if you stop paying all these other bills they'll do all kinds of things like like uh, garnishing your wages and and things like that so have as few debts as possible don't be that wicked person who refuses to repay and you know so like I said every time you use that credit card what are you doing? You're taking out another loan that you're promising that, that you're going to replay, repay. In our Financial Peace University classes, which some of you have been through, and if you haven't been through one of those, I really highly encourage you to go through one someday. We have, we have great fun one evening taking out a big pair of scissors. And what do we cut up? Credit cards. Yeah, we have a lot of fun. And, and uh uh, a lot of people come into the class, they start out the class, and, and they, you know, we ask them to take out their credit cards, and they, they start reeling them off a stack. And, and then we start saying, well, which ones can you do without? And they start saying, oh, oh, I really, I, I really like this card. This is, th this is my Cabela's card. Now, <laughs> now, I can't do without my Cabela's card. You know, I can't, I can't... Uh, uh, you know, the, the, I, I'm just attached to my Cabela's card, you know. 
Uh, with us, it was, I think it was the, it was the K jewelry card, wasn't it? <laughs> when I would, I would buy birthday gifts and, and I would buy Christmas gifts. So I, I liked the, the K jewelry card because I could, I could uh, buy, buy presents with it. So it was like, oh, you mean I have to give up these, I have to give up these cards? But, but the fun of the class was we cut up a lot of cards and there were a, a lot less opportunities for us to take out these loans and pay back bills for months and, and years to come. And so uh, financial teacher Dave Ramsey, who, who uh, authors the Financial Peace University, strongly recommends if you need a card, use a debit card that's tied into your bank account rather than your credit card because if you uh, run out of money in your in your uh, checking account, then your debit card won't work anymore until you put some more money into it. And so it's, it's a lot different than, than using a credit card. So as a matter of honesty, integrity, Christians should pay their debts, pay their obligations. If you gave your word to repay, then fulfill your word and fulfill what you said you were going to do. Number three, Christians should act with complete honesty and integrity with every person you meet or do business with. Fulfill every promise. Fulfill every contract you make. Act with complete honesty even when it hurts. So that means when the cashier gives you back too much cash in your change at a, in a transaction, you stop and say, oh, wait, you gave me too much, you gave me too much change. Let me, let me give it back to you. Uh, I told the story of, uh, I think it was last year, we were driving back from home from a trip, and we stopped at a restaurant to eat, and and realized they only took cash, but they had an ATM machine back at the back of the restaurant. So I went back to get some money out of the ATM machine, and, and I was expecting to get $100 out, and I think like $350 came out instead, and the receipt said $100. It's like, wow, you know, hundreds and, and, and fifties were pouring out of this machine. It was like, I'm in Vegas or something, you know, what, what kind of machine is this? So I went, took the whole stack of money and went back up to the, uh, the counter and said, look, I was expecting to get $100 out of this machine, and, and it gave me, you know, 350 And she said, oh, yeah, you know, I think I put hundreds and fifties in the slots where the 20s should have been. It's like, oh, yeah, I wonder how much money you lost today. <laughs> we got free pizza out of it anyway that day. So... Uh, Act with complete honesty and integrity with every person you meet or do business with. One of my heroes, I wonder, I wonder who, who is your hero? Do you have a hero? Uh, I believe every Christian should have a, a hero, some godly Christian hero, uh, at least one in your life. One of my heroes is a guy who, who's dead now. His name was R.G. Letourneau. He uh, was born in the late 1800s and died in the mid-1900s, but he was an inventor. He was a man who developed huge earth-moving machinery. He went on to become the leading earth-moving machinery manu manufacturer of his day with plants in four continents, 300 patents, major contributions to road construction, and heavy equipment. Because in the early 1900s, if you wanted to build a road, you went out and hired like Hundreds of guys with shovels, and they were just out there. You know, that's how you move dirt. And maybe you had a, a few mules and a cart. But uh, R.G. Letourneau saw this, and, and he wanted to develop machinery 
that could take the place of these thousands of guys with shovels. And, and so he developed, um, like, one of the early bulldozers. He, elect, he, he invented the tree crusher. That sounds like fun. The log picker, the power log skidder, the airplane tow. He, had, he invented the air crane. He invi- invented one of the first mobile offshore oil platforms. And he, he invented some of the huge earth-moving pans that we see today around big, big construction sites, you know, you know with tires that are eight feet tall, and, and they scoop up tons and tons of dirt in one pass. And, and uh, he invented the, the gigantic dump trucks, you know, the ones with uh, huge wheels that can't drive on the road. They have to load them on a trailer and haul them from place to place. But uh, maybe you don't get excited about equipment like I do, but it's, it's really cool, you know. And uh, he, he developed and invented lots and lots of, of these, these kinds of things. But he was also a man of God, and he was also a, a Christian. And, and the story goes that, that early in his life, he felt the call of God to do something in his life. And he didn't know what it was. And he went to his pastor and said, look, I, I'm feeling God's call to, to do something, but I don't know what it is. And, and I guess, you know, to obey God's call back in those days, it was I have to be a, either a pastor or a missionary, one or the other. Which one is it going to be? What, what do you think I should, I should be, a pastor or a missionary? And his, uh, his, uh, his pastor heard what R.G. Letourneau said and took time to think about it. And the pastor came back to R.G. and said these four words, God needs businessmen too. And this was this gigantic revelation, this huge light bulb went on in Letourneau's mind. Uh, he immediately began to consider his business to be in partnership with God. In fact, in his book, he often writes about uh, partnering with God in his business. God was his partner, or he was God's partner, or however it worked. Uh, the story goes later in his life that, that uh, he had made a missions pledge to his church, and, and his business was going through like these ups and downs. Contracts were stopping and starting, and money was coming in, and then it didn't, and, and he hadn't been able to pay his missions pledge, and he was behind, and, and his business was behind, and he didn't really even know how his business was going to work, let alone making good on his missions pledge, and he decided that, that um, no matter what, he was going to pay his missions pledge no matter what, even if it drove him into, into bankruptcy. And, and the story goes, as soon as he paid his missions pledge, his business had this huge breakthrough. And, and uh, his advisors said that he should stop being just a contractor building roads and that he should just concentrate on building machinery. And throughout the 1930s, his business just began to blow up, bloom, uh, explode, blossom. And, and uh, he went from uh, taking in tens of thousands of dollars to millions of dollars in sales, producing all these, all these big machinery. In 1935, the story goes with gigantic profits pouring out of his manufacturing business. His wife suggested, and they, they went ahead and did this, that they transitioned to a 90-10 split with the Lord. 90% of their income went to God, and they lived on, on 10% of their income. Uh, Laterno was fond of remarking, it's not how much of my money I give to God, but how much of God's money I keep for myself. Uh, I've been reading 
Letourneau's autobiography, and I really recommend it, especially if you're into, into big trucks and machinery, to read R.G. Letourneau, Mover of Men and Mountains. The one story he said was uh, he was really having trouble developing a, uh, a, certain, a certain machine, and it was just giving lots and lots of trouble, and he couldn't figure out what to do and how to, how to fix the problems. He said, one night, deeply worried about all the contracts I couldn't fulfill. I got down on my knees and prayed, don't let me down now, Lord. I've got all this work, and if you let me down, I'm ruined. He said, right there, I saw my mistake. Strike that out, Lord, I hasten to say. I didn't mean that. I'm not asking you not to let me down. I'm asking you to help me not let you down. I'm not asking to use you. I'm asking you to use me. That had been my trouble all along, he writes. All wrapped up in my own petty problems, I had once more begun to think I was working for myself instead of the Lord. I slept well that night, and when I woke up, I had the answer to my problem. And so it seemed like God divinely gave him the solution to that problem as soon as his mind sh uh, mindset shifted to, uh, to a proper alignment with God. Another story uh, came when he had a, a certain partner in his business who also happened to be a member of the same church uh, in which uh, he and his wife were part of. And uh, there, was a, there was a disagreement uh, about a certain contract, and the partner said, uh, claimed that, that he was owed much more profit than, than Letourneau thought he was. And uh, the partner said, well, I'm going to sue you then. And uh, there was um, quite a lot of controversy. Uh, Letourneau took his, uh, he said he took his problem to God. And I still didn't want to give up without a fight. He wanted to fight back against this lawsuit, but his quiet, uh, God's quiet voice said no. I protested that the right was on my side, that my partner had ordered my relatives fired. I had hired another crew to replace them. My lawyer is confident we will win, I argued. He was arguing with God. You have confidence in your lawyer, I heard him say. How much of your confidence do you have in me? And so at the end of the story... Letourneau doesn't fight against the lawsuit and actually gives to his partner much more of the money than, than the partner deserved. And uh, I think it was, a, it was a huge lesson in following God even when it didn't make financial sense. And there's sometimes I believe that, that uh, following God doesn't make financial sense. There was a, there was a uh, time in our lives when my first wife, uh, Lucinda and I built a house in southern Lancaster County, and uh, we were going to a church down there, and, and we got to know a, a painter in the church who uh, was, seemed like he was always looking for, looking for work, and we took pity on him, and we actually hired him to uh, do the painting in our, in our new house. And uh, we were getting ready to move in, into the house, and it was a little strange that the painter Asked for all his, uh, all his money up front before he did the job. We should have known that was a dangerous sign right away. <laughs> but we didn't really know any better, and we trusted the guy. We were getting ready to move into the house, and, and uh, one of my best friends at that time, Mark, was walking through the house. Who was, Mark was also a painter, and Mark said, uh, Dude, this paint job is horrible. I think he only put like one coat of paint on these walls, and, and he, did, he did a horrible, shoddy job. And, and he'd taken all, all the money for the, for the job that it would have taken to put like three coats of paint on the walls. 
And so we go back to the painter, and he said, well, I'm sorry. I'm on to other jobs. I, I don't have time to deal with you. It's like, well, we paid you full price to do a good painting job on this house. And he said, well, I, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't have time to deal with you. Uh, you. I'm moving on to other jobs. I don't care. We prayed about it. We actually talked to our pastor about it. He said he really wasn't really anything he could do about it. And we ended up dropping the matter and having to pay someone to pretty much repaint the whole house again. We paid for two, two paint jobs in the house. I believe that uh, if we had pursued it, if we had uh, really uh, pressed this guy, it would have caused just lots of trouble and turmoil in the church, and, and we'd have had a, uh, a much more difficult uh, situation than, than we had just with the paint. So we decided to drop it. Did it make financial sense? No, it was it was really stupid, and we should have, uh, you know, we should have had a good paint job, and we paid for that, and we we didn't get it. So sometimes there are there are uh, financial decisions you make as a Christian that don't make sense, but God blesses those financial decisions even even when they don't make sense. Uh, Dave Ramsey developed a list of financial baby steps, and and. This is not from the Bible, but I believe that, that these just align with God's word. These align with what God says about saving, about debt, about um, investing, and, and uh, not being a slave to, to uh, the people uh, from which we borrow. And these baby steps, very simply, save $1,000 uh, $1, emergency fund, pay off your debt, save three to six months living expenses, Invest 15% of income for retirement. Save for your children's college needs. Pay off your house early and build wealth and, and give. I believe, that, I believe that number one is probably one of the most important, and number two are some of the most important pieces here. Instead of digging yourself into a hole of debt, begin a habit of saving, even just tiny amounts of saving. Dave Ramsey said, and, and I've experienced this sometimes myself over the years, that many people, even Christians, live paycheck to paycheck with no savings. And so uh, without any kind of uh, savings, it only takes one financial emergency to send them into a crisis or, or panic or deep into credit card debt. Proverbs 21 and verse 20 says... There we go. Precious treasure and oil are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Now, we're in a little bit of a different context today than back then. They weren't talking about like 10W30 oil. This was, this was uh, oil was, uh, you know, really expensive. And, and a person who had lots of expensive oil on their house was a, was a prosperous, rich, wealthy person. And they had, you know, they had uh, good things stored up in their house. And the wise man is the one who saves, and as a result, he has or she has resources available to use or to give. The foolish person refuses to save, and, and uh, the Bible says a foolish person, a foolish man, just eats it all up and doesn't put any away, has nothing available for himself or to give to help others. They didn't have... There, there were times in my life where I didn't have an emergency savings fund. Uh, there was time ser several uh, number of years ago where I didn't have savings, and 
Guess what happens when you don't have savings? Bad things happen. Disasters happen. Our well pump burned up, you know. You turned on the, the water faucet one day, and there was no water. It went down to the pressure tank. Pressure tank was empty. Uh, click the pressure switch. Uh, there was power there, but the, but the pump wasn't running, and the, the pump had burned up. Had no savings, and, and the, only, the only way to take care of it, I mean, you need a well pump, okay? you you got to have one. So you, you get the plumber out there, and he replaces your pump, and you put it on your what? Credit card. You pile all the expenses on your credit cards when you have no when you have no emergency fund, and so that's why Dave Ramsey urges people to save and have a fund for emergencies before they do anything else. Step number one, because emergencies happen, don't they? Cars break down, furnaces die, storms and floods happen. There's always something going to happen. So baby step one is to put a thousand dollars aside into an emergency fund. One of the biggest and most important of the baby steps. Many people never get past step number one. One excuse I often hear more than any other for not saving is, I just don't make enough money to save. I but I believe that almost every person in America can put away even a few dollars now and then. It, whether it's, you know, take a shoebox and put it under your bed, whatever it is. I believe that you can take and, and save now and then a little bit toward emergencies that are coming. And once you start building that fund, remember also that it's only used for true emergencies. A trip to the beach is not a true emergency, okay? Uh, shopping for a new wardrobe is not a true emergency, Okay, it's only for something that's really, really important. And Dave Ramsey noticed that, that when he built his emergency fund, somehow it seemed like fewer emergencies happened. Or maybe problems that did happen didn't produce the horror and panic and, and, and uh, drama that, and stress that uh, it would have happened otherwise. And I want to give a side note here and just stop and pause. And, and say, if your income is truly not sufficient for your family, maybe God is calling you to another job. Uh, we live in a land of tremendous opportunity. You're never too old to go back to school. You're never too old to take some evening classes. You're never too old to learn some new skill or trade. Don't think you're stuck in the job if God is calling you to another job. Generally, the more education or training you have, the higher your income will be. So maybe God's giving you a new vision to do something different. So don't, don't uh, negate that. Don't say, well, no, I'm, I'm stuck here. Maybe God is calling you to something, something new. Pray. Uh, we want to pray for you this morning for inspiration, for new, new training, new career paths, new opportunities, new vision, maybe even new businesses, new, maybe new businesses start up out of, out of this church. So along with uh, baby step number one, uh, savings, should come a budget. Oh, that horrible B word. What is a budget? Budget is simply a monthly plan for your money. Lots of people get to the end of the month and they ask, where did my money go? With a budget system, you tell your money where to go. There's no more mystery to where your money went. You take responsibility for 
your dollars, for your finances, for your life, for your family. You take responsibility. And a budget represents boundaries, responsibility and boundaries. So, yes, we believe in God's provision, God's blessing, God's healing, but we do our parts too. And the boundaries of a budget help us to give and to plan ahead, to pay our bills, and to, and to save. So what's a budget? A budget can be just as simple as a single sheet of paper. It could be an app on your phone. It could be a computer page for the month where you start with your monthly income, the money that's coming in, and you divide it into categories for how you plan to use it. So each month you plan ahead, and guess what? You tell your money where to go. You don't wonder where it went. You tell your money where to go. I like the analogy. Each dollar is like a, a little soldier, and you're the one uh, ordering your soldiers around. You're the boss. You order them, and you tell them where to go. So I don't, I don't care how old you are, whether you're uh, 14 or 40 or 80, you can save, and you can have a basic budget. For some of you at 14, it's going to be really basic, maybe just a few lines. And some of you, it's, it's a little bit more complicated. So on your notes there this morning, there are lots of free resources available at Dove, uh, Dave Ramsey's uh, webpage. Uh, I encourage you to read books about finances. If you, if you aren't sure, uh, read books about them. Uh, Brian Souter, A Practical Path to a Prosperous Life. Yeah, you can, have, uh, you can uh, get one of those and read it. Uh, Dave Ramsey, Complete Guide to Money, really good book. Uh, two books about uh, finances from Harold Eberly, Developing a Prosperous Soul, Volumes 1 and 2. These books changed my life because these books talk about being set free from a poverty spirit. And I grew up in a family uh, that had a poverty spirit all the way through. Uh, we were poor and we knew we were poor and we made decisions based on knowing that we were poor and we bought the absolute cheapest things that we could find and they they broke down right away and and we had a poverty spirit and because of these books God uh, just poured out this new revelation into me that I could be set free from a poverty spirit so if you're uh, uh, if that resonates with you I really encourage you to read the uh, books by Harold Everly if you have trouble with discipline and money Maybe uh, in your budget, try a, an envelope system. I know some of you uh, from Financial Peace University are doing that, or a virtual um, envelope system. In the envelope system, you, you budget and you divide your income into a series of, of actual paper envelopes, such as clothing, I'm going to spend this much on clothing this month, entertainment this month, taxes this month, insurance this month. Could be paper envelopes. It could be uh, splitting up your checking account into into parts or divisions. Number four. Avoid these schemes. I don't know if you've ever heard this on the radio or advertising in the in the newspaper. Here's how to get out of your debts with having without having to repay the full amount. Uh, I I hear these advertisements sometimes, and it's, it makes me grit my teeth because that's not a godly way of approaching our debts and obligations. In fact, you're acting dishonestly and defrauding someone when you don't repay. And so instead, we admit responsibility instead of working to avoid what you owe. Remember the scripture. It's the wicked who borrow and do not pay back. And, you know, sadly enough, uh, we don't have very good examples in front of us from, from our government. Uh, even in good financial times, our federal government continues to borrow heavily uh, some voices in government say, 
say today that our $22 trillion national debt doesn't even matter because it can't possibly be repaid, so who cares? And that's, that's a sad case because we as a nation have borrowed that money and we ought to be responsible enough to pay it back. Now, one that hits closer to home is college student loan debts, an increasingly serious problem for many young people in our nation. And, and instead of, uh, I think instead in our nation, instead of finding ways to help students and families pay back their loans or, or uh, fund college without going in, into debt, instead our, our nation is, is listening to leaders who promise that, that student loan debts are just going to be uh, are just going to vanish, who, who promised that $1.5 trillion in student loan debts are, are just going to be wiped clean. But I really believe that if we promise to repay, then we as Christians ought to be people of our word, and we should repay. If student loan debts or any debts are just wiped off the slate cleanly, uh, someone's going to be defrauded. Someone's going to be stolen from. And, and people who promise to repay are just breaking their contracts and breaking their word. Uh, number five, God provides financial freedom so you can be a generous giver into God's kingdom. And number six, God provides financial freedom so you can generously bless people who are in need around you. I love uh, one of two of the aspects of this church is that we are a sending church, that we love to send people out to missions. We send people to plant churches. We send people to uh, Scotland. We send people to places around the world. And that we're a generous church. I mean, uh, they're just generous givers in this church. And I'm amazed uh, that it's just one of the, the, one of the hallmarks or one of the characteristics of this church. Matthew 6, uh, 33 was R.G. Letourneau's favorite Bible verse. Matthew 6, 33, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. God calls us not to be a, a, uh, a dam that's holding in his resources that he gives to us, but to be a conduit, a channel, through which his resources flow to bless his kingdom and to, and to bless others. But we need responsibility, we need a budget, we need uh, to, to use wisely the resources that he gives. Uh, Brian Souders quote, I love to help the poor. The best thing you can do is not to be one of them. And so, and so uh, you can, uh, you can not, not be one of them, and, and you can be one who, who blesses people generously, pours into God's kingdom generously. So next steps for you this week. Of course, the, always the number one step is taking that step of becoming a follower of Jesus. All these other things don't matter if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Number two, begin or continue those seven baby steps. Read a book about finances. Enroll in a Financial Peace University class. Pray for God's leading regarding your education, your career, your new opportunities. In the name of Jesus, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? And Lord, I just pray for each person here today, whether you're uh, 14 or 40 or 80. Lord, I pray for each person in each stage of life here this morning. And Lord, I pray that we would be those who are uh, wise users of all the resources, all the blessings you pour into our laps. Lord, I pray that we'd be people of integrity and honesty. Those who uh, are those who are people of our word and those who pay back what we promised uh, 
to pay back. Lord, I pray this morning, especially for those who are seeking for uh, just new jobs and new opportunities, for new vision, for new careers, and, and maybe a new education path. Lord, I pray that you would just begin to unlock and pour up new opportunities and, and new businesses out of this church, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Give fresh new ideas here today, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Fresh new ideas for, for new careers, new directions, new paths, Lord. Lord, I, I pray that you'd uh, begin to and just continue to bless the finances of every person, every household here, Lord. We come against the devourer. We come against any uh, attack of the enemy against, against finances here, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray, pray your protection around every person, every household, every marriage here, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We pray that, that any attack of the enemy will be stopped and cut off in the name of Jesus. And Lord, that there would be just continue to be a, a groundswell rising up of, of generosity uh, in this church, Lord, that we could... Uh, seek first your kingdom we could seek first your righteous righteousness and lord that we could be amazed at how you just continue to bless and and pour into our laps here in this church so lord thank you thank you thank you for your goodness to us thank you for your blessing thank you lord that that you first were generous to us and that you first loved us and as a result we can share that love and we can share that generosity with people thank you lord in jesus name I'd like to invite the prayer ministers to come. We're going to be here uh, available to pray with you this morning. Uh, we'd love to pray with you, agree uh, with you in any area of, of life that uh, you need prayer for healing or maybe just a, a direction for a new career, new, new opportunities, new business. So, Lord, thank you this morning that, that we could be here. Thank you, Lord, for your presence here with us this morning. Lord, I pray as we go out from here that we go as your ambassadors, as your, uh, the shining lights of Jesus in our workplaces, in our jobs, schools, communities, uh, Scotland, all the places we go this week, Lord. Let us go filled with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Come forward for prayer. We'd love to pray with you this morning.